Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we will continue our discussion of Chapter 4, The Pursuit of Excellence, of Andrew Hammer's book, Observing the Craft. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Today on the Working Tools Podcast, we have three quarters of our hosts. We have Worshipful Brother Stephen Chung from Prince Charles Number 153 in Kelowna, British Columbia. Very Worshipful Brother David Colbeth from King Solomon Number 60 in, in lovely Auburn, Washington. And I'm Matt Apple, and I am a member of Mill Creek Lodge Number 243 here in Montlake Terrace, Washington. So we we oh, we said we were going to resume. Excuse me, had to, had to take a sneeze break there. We said we were going to resume our conversation around page 69 or so. Um, Which... And not equivalent, equivalent, yeah, making equivalent numbers and quality and the um, the mindset of a missionary, I think is kind of where we left off. Yeah, well, Steve was talking about how the the, the lodges in this area where there's a debate about making them social lodges. And I was saying that this next section, this next page talks exactly about that. So if you remember what Steve was talking about, yeah. lead a little bit in there, Steve. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, on 69, page 69 here, it's just, it says um, where it reads, it is that of lodges who upon facing a natural shrinking of the fraternity would then endeavor to alter our institution in such a way that it seeks to appeal to those for whom it was never intended in a uh, pitiable attempt to put bodies into buildings and money into coffers without any respect for the dignity of the soul of masonry. If a lodge cannot sustain itself, then it should go dark and turn in its charter. The very purpose of a lodge is not... <clears throat> to be just another public charity or fundraising organization, but a living band of brothers whose own spiritual pursuits are all that are needed to keep it alive. You know, and, and so you are saying you're talking about your social lodge. They want to convert it to social lodges. Well, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, talk about from the membership about you know social activities right you know we should do more social things we should do more things that include our wives we should do um you know more things that include our families right distractions there that's for the distractions chapter yeah that's in the distractions chapter right you know and, and there's truth to that i mean there is i mean when I don't know when that's the when that becomes the focus. Um, we probably got a problem, right? And you know when there when when I think about it, I think, oh man, we've got to talk about this. You know, had I never read this book, you know, Andrew, had I never read this book, uh, you know, I I, I I don't know the conversation at Lodge would be a lot different. 
and it's going to be, but um, uh, I'll be pushing for more of an observant craft. You know, one uh, our lodge staying focused on the pursuit of excellence in ritual because that's what we were really good at, right? Um, and you know, maybe you know we focus on that. Focus on on being the best ritualists in the district, and uh, that's what we can focus on, rather than all these other distractions. So I've I've said it before, and I say it because I believe it. Your masonry and my masonry aren't necessarily the same thing, and that's okay. Exactly. I, Thank you, Matt. <laughs> so if if you're I, I agree the the salt the lodge lodges need to have a focus and a meaning behind them, but I would argue that just because the Matthew J Apple Lodge of Excellence has a uh, focus on esoteric development of individuals and whatever does not mean that the the whatever uh, Mr. Budweiser School of or Lodge of Fraternalism. If they want to be a social lodge and include families and whatever, more power to them. No, I, I no, no. <laughs> I think it should be a deliberate choice, but I don't think that it's wrong for just like I might like whatever Game of Thrones and my wife hates it or something like that. Just be that doesn't make either one of us better. It's just different. But if they want to be just a social club and drink beer. Then go join the Elks, yeah, or something, you know, whatever. I, I again, it's not. I, I agree that not every lodge is going to be the same, but I strongly and I'm formulating a much stronger opinion as I go along in this idea that while we're not a franchise, we're not going to be like a McDonald's or something where you can go in theory get the same exact experience every single lodge. However, I do believe there should be a basis of fundamental experience that a man should receive in every lodge experience he might there might be a bent for a more social lodge or a more esoteric lodge or knowledge-based or more ritual there might be just a slight focus on that but there should be a minimum standard and in in our cases it's pretty at least in the united states and in canada and most uh most jurisdictions that have a standard work and have a code and have Grand Lodge system, those basics can be, I hate to say the word enforced, <laughs> but we are Grand Lodge, right? I mean, with the members, we are the Grand Lodge. It's not like a special body that's separate. So we can, we should be able to say, here is the minimum standard you should achieve. What you want to do beyond that, do you want to be more focused on social? In, in, our, in our case, are I've encouraged more social time, but more social outside of the lodge. So we get together, we have our social nights and our social breakfasts and our social events, but we're also just as focused in our lodge meetings and in our education, in our ritual, in our degree performances and other aspects of our masonry. So I don't think that we're forgetting what we might consider as Freemasonry, but we're adding these social aspects because we say we're brothers, we say we're friends, but when do we break bread other than the one meeting 
you know, the one time you have supper before your meeting, if you even have supper before your meetings or any kind of social time. And, and, and some guys would say, well, you know, those connections are made in lodge. And, uh, for example, I socialize with a few of the brothers, uh, outside the lodge when we go riding motorcycles together, uh, because that's a connection that we found, uh, familiar and in common when we were meeting in lodge. But you're not supposed to be talking in lodge. So how can you make connections? Well, in the festive board. Well, exactly. So in the social aspect, right? You have to have those social aspects. And for a new person to come in and to experience that and only be able to make those social connections at the supper before or after, that's that can be pretty difficult, right? And so I think those having – ours was – I used the excuse of needing a time to meet candidates when in reality – it was that for sure, but it was really a, a opportunity to bring our members together as well and to have time to make those interconnections. And so it was a dual purpose. And the while the social night, one of the social nights is a little bit more focused around the guys, what women, what ladies and families are welcome, they can come, only a couple of do, which is fine. The Saturday breakfast is really focused on family. Anybody can come to those. And we have a barbecue now once a year that that's focused. Everybody can come to that. So we're trying to bring in some of those aspects, but outside the lodge, if you will, where I think we have had in the past where the members want to bring it into the lodge. They want to bring the family and things into the lodge. And the lodge, in my opinion, isn't for the family. The lodge is for me. The lodge is for you, the men, the Freemasons. Yeah, we, we've tried to have social events outside of Lodge for that purpose of of uh, providing the members an opportunity to get together, bring their families, introduce their families to each other's families, and um, make those connections. Um, <clears throat> and that's what's been bordering on uh, now focusing on social, right? Because they, they want that connection and part of the discussion in our, our lodge has been about, you know, well, our time outside the lodge, we don't have a lot of it, right? You know, so, you know, making uh, some more social events so that they can have these connections is, is also problematic, right? So where where is the line? Well, where does their priority? Go back to a couple of pages and where's the priority? If, if Freemasonry is a priority then why what are we socializing with who are we socializing with and is that advancing our personal development right good questions i mean i know Very a lot of guys questions. i know a lot of freemasons that yes they still like going to their football games or like going to their motorcycle clubs or going out and drinking with the guys or whatever, or dart leagues or bowling leagues, whatever. And sure, those are fun, fine, but why did you join Freemasonry? Why did you join this craft to make yourself better, to be around these guys that are, you know, there's an old saying that the books you read and the people you associate with is who you'll be in the next five years. And so there's one in particular, I don't think you listen to the podcast, so it's okay. But he, he was a little bit lost and 
had spun into the circles of the true MC, the one percenters, and thought that he had found a brotherhood. And he was saying to me, well, but, but David, there's, there's Masons in that group. There's Masons in this MC. And I said, that's possible, but are they representing what you want to be? Do, do they represent what you really want to be? You need to search your heart and see if that's where you want to be. And so he had this, he's been having the struggle for the last probably a year or so. And he finally has kind of come back, if you will, to Freemasonry and realized that this is where he really wants to be. Hopefully he's making that decision, but I don't know. We're, I think we're way off track here, but maybe not. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, I will say he does go with, even though he talks about the lodges getting smaller, he also says uh-huh. in the next page in 70 that, lodges that are too massive hundreds and hundreds of members also aren't effective so i wrote in my margin what's the magic number and i know i don't know what the magic number is but there's some lodges that minimum was it uh in scotland or something there's well other places there's lodges that have a maximum number of members but but in uh, interestingly my understanding is that in that same town there's the what do they call it the the, the exclusive club, the exclusive lodge, and the everyone else lodge, basically. <laughs> so there's a lodge of 30 members or 50 members or whatever the minimum, the maximum can be. And then there's this other lodge in town that everybody else can go to. I don't know. Well, it, you know, it, it goes on to read that uh, Freemasonry does not offer itself up to those uh, who are outside of the doors of the lodge, or even to those that may simply be curious about it. Uh, the very essence of membership in the craft is not about bringing people in for whatever reason. That is f- the function of those relig- uh, religious and um, other political parties and seeking voters. Again, the essence of membership in the craft is that it must be sought. Right? Um, so, you know, it's uh, when we talk about, you know, delivering the lodge being, when Matt talks about the lodge being responsible, you know, we've got to deliver. Um, well, what do we got to deliver, right? You know, the one consistent things that we deliver is the ritual, the, the practices we have and the processes that we have. Right? None of which involves social aspects. None of which involves social um, events. Right. So, I don't know, should that still be part of lodge, or is that something that we're supposed to uh, pursue outside of lodge, but maybe with our lodge brothers? That's kind of my point. I I don't think it should be brought into the lodge so much, or the temple, if you will, or or the lodge functions. Like if, we, if you have a festive board before or after, I don't think that that's where a family should be invited. I think those events are for the men to develop their interpersonal relationships. I don't think that, you know, th- and there should be some educational element or some social elements that are the guys only to help them continue to develop that. If a lodge or district or whatever wants to have family oriented events, then that's great too, but it shouldn't, be the function of the lodge in my opinion that right yeah yeah but i agree, I agree there, with you there 
while ritual is important, ritual isn't the only thing that sets us apart. I mean, we're supposed to be philosophically oriented, right? We're supposed to want to understand who we are, why we are, all those kind of things. So the discussions in Lodge may also help <clears throat> us to help understand each other through that deep thought and deep analysis okay. of ourselves and those around <clears throat> us, the ideas of beliefs and all those things too. So the ritual is an, ask, is an important piece of it, but it's not really the right. main component. Well, no, it, it's not. And, and we're going to find that over the next few cha uh, chapters because you know, they're, they're, you know, an expansion of, we talked about pursuit of excellence and, and, and it, a lot of it has to do with ritual. I, I gotta say, um, but I don't know. I, I think that, um, I guess the struggle is to find the balance so that we don't turn ourselves uh, too far to the social side, right? Um, because otherwise we could be, you know, like say just one of the other clubs. So. Yeah. I, I, I would be curious to know if there's any, I haven't read anything, Matt, maybe, you know, of something out there that has said something about the ideal lodge size. Is there, is there any discussion about, I, we, I think Jared and I talked about, there's some theories of, you can only get to know a hundred people or 150 people or some, there's some, it's not the six degrees of separation kind of thing, but it's there, there's a magic number. You can only really know a hundred people. You might have acquaintances, you know, hundreds of people that you could say their names if you remember them, or they might say, Oh, Hey, I know you, but to really get to know somebody, I think it's a hundred or less. There's something it's, it's less than a hundred, I believe, but I don't know what that magic number is. There's there is Dunbar's number. Uh, it's a right. hundred and fifty people that you can have connections with. Okay, which I don't. I'm sure there's more to it than that. That's my. What kind of connections? How deep a connection are we talking about? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know I, things. I think I remember that number too. I, I was joking about the hundred number with Jared because I said when I was in real estate marketing in the very beginning. Uh, this marketer, this guru had said, well, you can only develop with a hundred people, develop real relationships with a hundred people. Well, magically he had a kit that sold a hundred of an item that would then help <laughs> you. To... <laughs> but I think you're right. I think 150 was the number that I remember too, that you could have, you could know about them, know about maybe who they are, where they came from, where they worked or the family. You could remember them about 150 people. I think that's probably right. And so maybe that's the magic number, 150 or less. And a lodge is probably a, a good number. So having lodges that are, I don't know of any that are, at least around here, do you know that, Matt, that are in there that are hundreds and hundreds of members? There's maybe a couple, but. Yeah, not, I know, <laughs> not on topic, but there was a, I visited a lodge in Pennsylvania once and their topic of discussion in the lodge that evening was that their membership was falling and so they needed to to merge with the another lodge in the area because they were down to below, I think it was 350 members. And I was wow. like, 350 members? <laughs> we barely have 100. It was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, well, you know, that could be one of those lodges that was one of those affinity lodges where, you know, if you uh, liked baseball, you could join it. 
and that's how they got so many members, but not enough showed up. Yep. Common problem. <laughs> All right. So having having flogged the numbers idea, I think this is episode six of our discussion about this chapter, if you count the two with David and Jared and and now the three of us. And we're gonna keep going. There'll there'll looks like there's gonna be episode seven of our discussion of chapter four. And uh yeah, so there it is. So please again let us know what your, your thoughts are on the topic. And uh, on behalf of Stephen and David and Jared and myself, I thank you all for listening to the Working Tools podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Goodbye. <laughs>